Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. It's a Thompson to Clark podcast. Brad and I are here in the morning. We usually record in the evening. We're here on a Sunday morning, so it's a little bit of a different. This is like a, it's like a wake up call for this, me. Oh, so. big time, man! <laughs> so, so we're we're gonna beat each other's energy here for uh, for our morning show. So it'd be cool to do like a morning radio show. Well, and, and podcast back at KSJS when I was doing that morning show, uh, I, I so every Friday I would do the six a.m. to ten a.m. show, mm-hmm. and uh, with uh, Nick Martinez and Sally Kite, and and we would do morning show and and just kind of joke around on the air for four hours. Hours. But to go on at six, I was getting up at like three thirty in the morning. Oh my god! And 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 then it was good training because after that, then I worked in television and I worked the morning show, and we went on the air at five a.m. Yeah. So you're getting up at like two thirty in the morning, and I did that for a couple of years. So Ooh. Um, so this morning, getting up at eight o'clock, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was all right. Yeah, morning radio seems tough. I remember when I was at. Um, when I was at KMBR, so Gary Radnich had his normal, I think it was uh, noon to two shift or something. And then um, several years later, like he had been in that shift for a long time. And then all of a sudden he's doing the morning and then he's doing the 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 KRON uh, sports stuff in oh, the yeah. evening. So he's like running, like he's like running around from one show and done at like 10 or 11 and then running back to KMBR like at, you know, five in the morning. That was ridiculous. Was well, crazy. And now, and watching like uh, MLB Network and, and see guys like Harold Reynolds and guys like that. It, yeah, they're, they're all of a sudden, you know, a special breaking story or during the playoffs or whatever. They're, they're on at, you know, nine o'clock our time. And then, mm-hmm. and then you turn on the TV later on and you're like, hey, is it like midnight in New York and he's still on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, these guys. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the job. That's the life. Um, okay, so question I have for you. Now, we'll, we'll pretend we'll pretend this is this is actually yesterday because this is a, a 10 years to yesterday, not 10 years to today. Right. But do you remember where you were 10 years ago when the Giants clinched in 2010 and won their division? The Giants are champions in the National League West. And let the party begin. Man, that was spine chilling. I tell you, I, I, I remember coming home because we had been at... Uh, Oktoberfest, Squaw Valley Oktoberfest. It's a really cool thing up in Squaw Valley that they do every year near Tahoe. Um, And so we were there, uh, my brother-in-law and I and my wife and their family and stuff. And we had all of our Giants gear on. And I'll put some pictures of that on Instagram because I, I found some some cool ones. Uh, I think I put one up uh, yesterday and then I've, I've got a couple more fun ones. Um, but I remember being up there uh, on the Saturday game, uh, Barry Zito pitching. And 
we're in our Giants gear and walking around. Everybody's like, yeah, go Giants. What's the score? What's the score? And we kept checking our phones and we're, you know, going back and forth. And, you know, this was, I don't know, the iPhone 2. So, I mean, it was really hard up in Squaw Valley <laughs> to get like, you know, to get a good signal and get the scores, but we'd run into the bars because, it, you know, the Oktoberfest was out in the village. So we'd run into the bars and, uh, you know, as we're like on our eighth or ninth beer, just walking around, just like, man, man, and the Giants lost. And we were like, oh man, this is not going well. They lost Friday. They lost Saturday. Now we only have a one game lead, but we're, we still have that advantage because we have that one game lead. So if we lose tomorrow and Sunday, then then we still have a one game playoff. So then I remember, you know, having a nice hangover the next day, driving home and uh, getting home on Sunday five minutes before the game started. Mm. And and the kids were young, so they were so they went straight to nap time. And yeah. I think my wife did too. <laughs> so I'm out in the front room, you know, hungover, drinking coffee and water and watching the game. And as soon as they clinched it, I, it was the silent, it was the most quiet celebration you'll ever hear in a house <laughs> because I'm running around, pumping my fist, yelling silently. And, uh, oh man, it was so awesome to have that feeling again. So I was actually at that Barry Zito game. It was uh, my buddy Darren Reyes. He he will know this story way better than me because I have <laughs> bad memory of stuff like this. I, but I don't remember if he had uh, like. I think I want to say he had like uh, maybe it was at uh, the fan fest or something. But he had bought these tickets thinking that it would be great to be like at a clinch game. Yeah. And so he bought them like way before that weekend. And so uh, we were there in the in the left field bleachers. And I, I, I mean, I, obviously, I've never been to a, a game where, where the team clinched the division or clinched anything, right? Like, and so it was kind of exciting. And, you know, we're just like, okay, like kind of nervous. Like, <laughs> just want to make sure that they, you know, that they don't blow it. Cause that's, you know, that's what everyone's expecting, right? Is that they just blow it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a hit, we had a track record of that leading uh-huh. to it. And while while I talk about this, I'm I'm interested in what this box score looks like. I wonder how hard it would take me to to find this box score. But anyways, that's so, from the Saturday game, right? The box, right? Score. Yeah. So so we are uh, we're sitting there and we're in the in the bleachers, and I'm sure we you know pre-gamed across the street or or whatever at uh, you know at one of the one of the bars uh, across the street. Um, and so we're playing, uh, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're sitting there and, you know, we weren't, we weren't nervous for very long because, uh, Barry, Barry Zito couldn't find the plate from what I remember. And so he was just walk like he's walking guys. And it was just like, it, it was bad because, you know, you have that expectation, you have like that, oh, we, we may see something happen. That's pretty special. And the reality, what the reality is, is you're 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 done, and the game's like you know, and I, like thirty minutes old. And so, I, okay, so I did find I did find the uh, the box score here. Yeah, I I grabbed it here too. Four walks in three innings for Rally Zito. Yeah, yeah. So, the, and and the bullpen shut you know shuts them down for the rest of the game, but the Giants can't score any runs. Uh, Heath Heath Bell. I actually scored a run off of Heath Bell in in the last inning. Yeah, but so yeah, so so Zito just kind of kills it for us, and and uh, you know we're frustrated because we thought we were going to see something great, and instead we saw something that was not great, <laughs> and 
it, it would, which is crazy because you know Zito doesn't really play too much uh, of, of a factor in 2010 but he does in 2012 so you know the, I, those, those are my my postseason memories are you know Zito's a stud in 2012 because I was at that World Series game game one where he gets the you know he gets the ball in game one and everyone's like uh oh yeah like, yeah happened here and I mean he didn't like throw lights out but like he did everything they needed to do to win and so uh and so but then there's, there's this memory that I have as well where he goes uh to start the game Base hit, base hit. Uh, uh, I think it was a sacrifice. Why, why would you have your third hitter sacrifice in, in the top of the first <laughs> inning? <laughs> because we always had a, a hard time scoring runs, so you kind of have to. <laughs> so, so uh, actually, this was the Padres. So, it oh was, yeah, 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 my bad. So it was. Well, they uh, also they were not a run scoring team either, right? Both of us were not. I mean, they were both of both of our teams were very pitching centric. No, okay, so now now this is getting very clear. So it was base hit, base hit, sacrifice, intentionally walk Adrian Gonzalez to load the bases. And so there's one out in the top of the first. They get the pop-up. So now there's two outs in the top of the first. And so we're thinking like, okay, he's just got like some, some jitters. We're going to get out of this. Nope. Walk to score run. Walk to score a run, yeah, and then he gets uh, Headley swinging, and then in the uh, in the third again, base hit, base hit, strikeout, strikeout, and then there was a error on uh, whoever was playing third that day, and then base hit, and but that's literally all they needed was was you know a couple of runs, and and the Giants didn't score, and then he gave up another in the fourth with a, a base hit uh, to to uh, score somebody, so you know it. it it probably doesn't even look as bad as I remember it. Like, cause my memory is like Zito walked five guys in, in the first inning and they were down eight yeah. zero or something, you know, but it wasn't that bad, but it was just frustrating because you had so much anticipation to see something special. Thankfully the next day yeah. was great. Like who doesn't remember, you know, the Jonathan Sanchez triple and um, you know, just the, just the way that those guys celebrated because, you know, they were only, I mean, I say only, but, you know, they only won 92 games that year. It's not like they were, you know, a 98, you know, <laughs> game winning team. Like the, there was a tug of war going on uh, to end that season with them and the Padres. It was back and forth. Well, then, and <clears throat> of course, all the all the of all the pitchers to beat on the last game of the season, uh, Matt Latos, who, who became, you know, he, he became the most, uh, famous for us, the most famous giant hater, uh, going forward. And then, uh, and then two years later he's with the Reds and, uh, and Buster Posey got to, uh, say hi to him again in in the playoffs. That's one of my, uh, that's like one of my legitimately favorite moments in giant history. That that yeah. grand slam. That one I remember clearly. Um, one of the kids was home uh, sick, and, and I was sick too. We both had like really bad colds, and I don't get sick very often. But uh, and especially from the kids, uh, I work at a courthouse. So if you think I'm going to get it from somewhere, it's going to be the courthouse. Mm-hmm. But but I and I rarely get it from the kids. But I remember being home sick that day, and I was like, oh. 
sweet. I'm sick. I woke up that morning. I was like, oh, awesome. I actually, f- I feel bad. So I get to stay home and watch game five. <laughs> you know, I was super excited. I, then, I was, yeah, I was at yeah. work. We, we had it on at work. It was one of the, you know, you couldn't even really watch it. I don't, I, I'm trying to remember because, you know, we didn't have like these streaming networks uh, back right. then. Nothing. And so I, I remember like we had to, we had to use the MLB uh, app but there was something funny about it. Like it was like not. I don't. Maybe it wasn't like the broadcast version or something. It was something weird. I, that, but that's that's what I remember. Yeah, was we were it, watching it at work. Was it that pitch by pitch version? It it, it may have been. Happened. I don't even remember. So you're so, kind of doing your own play by play in yeah. your head and visual of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so just so people remember that season 2010, the Giants like. You know, when the season started, you know, first 10, 11 games, like, you know, they, they were in first place, but they got knocked, you know, after the like game 14 or whatever, they, they maybe were in first place like one more day and a, until the end of the season. And they were back like seven and a half games uh, on the 4th of July. And then you know, then then they started making their making their run a little bit. They got to within one game, and then on uh, in August they were right back to six games back. So this is not a team that was the front runner like 2012. They were the front runner, but you know they were fighting back. So you know when they finally tied uh, in uh, in uh, I guess let's see September 10th. So they they finally tie, and there's you know 20 games left. But they're back, you know. They're 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 up one, then they're down one, then they're up one. <laughs> they're they're. It wasn't until the very end of the season, you know, they were up two games, and then they were up three games, and then you know, and then and then they were good. But like this was not a season where they were clearly going to win this division. <laughs> so the reason why you and I remember this is because it was a dogfight that entire summer. And there were moments in that summer I was like, oh, they're done. Like, they, yeah. they had a great season. I, I was really happy, but they're done. And then all of a sudden, you know, they fight back and they're and they're right back in the mix. And, you know, then like if you're the Padres, you probably are like, ah, you know, I, I think we're going to win this division. But nope, like it didn't happen. <laughs> well, and, and it was funny, too, because I remember um, <clears throat> during the 2009 season, you know, the, the 2019 put up a fight towards the end of the season there. A nice little run. And we thought, oh, this is cool. I wonder, you know, I wonder if we could win with pitching. I mean, we, we have this ballpark. We've got Lincecum. We've got Kane. Um, you know, this, this is a team. And we had Bumgarner in, in the minors at that point. So we're th- thinking, you know, there's a good possibility that, hey, this team could compete on pitching. And, and do you remember what I told you after the 2009 season? I don't know if you remember that. Mm-mm. What we needed. To, to be a contender to win the West. I said, this team needs, if this team could score one more run per game, mm-hmm. then this team would win the division the next year. And I remember that vividly because I kept saying, you know, they just got to go out and get one or two more guys that can punch a run across the board. Um, so sure enough, Aubrey Huff, you know, mm-hmm. the most hated man in San Francisco <laughs> now. But but at the time, we go, hey, we got but, a bat. You, you got to be nice to him. His yeah, hero, gotta... his hero has the, has COVID nineteen right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you don't need to be nice to Aubrey Huff in <laughs> no, any way. Never. Um, and because they were going after, and of course now the name escapes me. But there was a first baseman that they were going after. Uh, Pirates first baseman at the time, and ended up going to Atlanta. Um, 
<laughs> it's going to come to me. But anyways, he had mentioned in the paper uh, when this guy signed with the Braves that he didn't want to play in San Francisco because it was too big of a ballpark. He was a little mm. afraid of that. Of that, um, I, I'm going to look him up now. But but anyways, um, and so they went out and they got Aubrey Huff because they needed a first baseman at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, and so I thought, oh, well, here's a guy who can hit home runs. You know, it's going to be at our ballpark. So it's yeah. going to be, yeah. you know, he's not going to be a masher or anything. But, you know, a guy, a guy like him... Um, Paired with a couple other guys was just enough to 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 get the job done, which was awesome. Um, and now, of course, I can't find who that other player was, <laughs> but whatever. So what? What? But it, it, I mean, uh, I, I was going to look at. So you mentioned, um, you know, the the uh, that that Padres team was actually a pretty good team, and they, you know, the 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 fact that the Giants actually did come back and beat them like you would have thought based on that Padres team that they're kind of hanging around for uh for a little while because the Dodgers you know the Dodgers were were under 500 that year um so you know this this was uh this was a nice little back and forth with the Giants and Padres for this season so the Giants themselves uh in 2010 uh I was looking at their um I was looking at their stats and you know the 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 their stats wouldn't knock you you know off of your chair when you're like you mentioned Arby Huff is your leading home run and RBI guy but they didn't even have uh, you know 86 RBIs 26 home runs that was that was the uh the the tops for the team but you know Buster Posey comes in uh, right around Memorial Day, and he hits 18 home runs. So at that point, you're thinking Buster's going to be a 30 jack guy every year, just because yeah. he he was able to do that. Uh, but you know, the other guy who was the power guy on that team was Juan Uribe. He had 24 jacks and 85 RBI. He didn't hit for a very high average, but you know, you, so you often forget that that guy did hit home runs for this team. Pablo didn't have as good of a year as as the year before, and then you know the Giants pick up Pat the Bat uh, late in that that run, and he, I mean, he hit 18 home runs that in in only 341 at bats. So, like you said, they just needed guys to punch runs over, and really, what this team, you know, the team had a couple of half table setters, I guess. You know, they didn't. They, yeah. they, this team was not, uh, you know, the, the OPS leaders or anything in any way. But they could hit home. They could hit a home run here and there, and and they were able to score some runs. Like you know, you look at Andres Torres. This dude struck out 128 times. Like so, it's not like he was like your conventional leadoff hitter, right? No. So this team was not what you would do. Like if you were trying to put together a winning baseball team, and you say, okay, here's what we need in all these positions. This Giants team was not actually that. It was a lot of like. We need to. We're going to use these older vets to kind of help us, you know, get here and there. And you know, the Edgar Renteria uh, pickup, and yeah, it, it, it was just uh, a lot of this was the right place at the right time. And you just sort of put the 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 mix of guys together who all of a sudden, and some of these guys, you know, like I said, came in so late, like Cody Ross. Like he only had eighty two abs in that in that entire season for the team. Um, and then he's like the playoff darling. So just like, you know, part Bochi, you know, part, uh, you know, the, the, the GMs, uh, and the, and the baseball guys putting that team together is kind of, is kind of like, uh, 
I don't like. I don't want to say it was like this, you know, uh, genius, uh, uh, whatever you would call it, but just the fact that you had these different personalities, and then you had Brian Wilson, and then this pitching staff where Lincecum is still good. He's good, Lincecum, but he's not like 2008 Lincecum. No, and, 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 no. Go ahead. And, and no, and just you know, you just put these like guys who they don't even really fit. But Bochi, you know, molded them and they had some veterans who they were all about, like, being loose and and, and fiery. And for whatever reason, it was the thing that worked. I I still am amazed at that team just because of, you know, like I said, not the kind of blueprint that you would necessarily do if you're looking to build a winner. Well, and and can you do that? I mean, we're talking 10 years ago that... It's not that long ago, but it was a completely different era of baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was small ball. It was post-steroid. Uh, everybody was very careful. Um, pitching was dominant uh, during that 2010, the early 2010s. Um, and then now, could you do that? Could you put together a team with that many dominant pitchers like a, a Kane, uh, Lincecum, Baumgartner, uh, and and win nowadays? I don't. I really don't know if you can. I don't know if there's a team right now that you can compare. I mean, the Dodgers they have dominant pitching, but they also score like ten runs a game. I know they have a, they have a tremendous offense. They they are so well balanced that it's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, even but even though we, we, we say, you know, the, the dominant pitching, like in the regular season, you know, Lincecum is the ace, but he's 16 and 10 with a 343 ERA. Uh, he's still striking out a, a good amount. You know, I think his uh, strikeout per nine was 9.8. So it was a good Lincecum year. He just wasn't as dominant as he was in the past. And because, you know, he's also somebody who. He, he, you know, he's going to walk some guys, and unless they were chasing him, if you could lay off a Lincecum, you, you know, you could you could get on base, but it just is so hard laying off of him, especially like in the beginning of his career. But you know, Kane was very serviceable, right? He was he he three point one four ERA, um, and uh, Jonathan Sanchez was actually, if you look at it analytically, he was their best pitcher, right? But you could never depend on him because he was <laughs> such a like a flaky lefty, right? Like, yeah. You know, you know, um, Bumgarner's coming up, so but he's young, uh, and you know they even had uh, the great Todd Wellemeyer <laughs> start. Uh, he started eleven games that year. Yeah. So you know, th- it wasn't like the the same lights out that we sort of remember, at least in the regular season. Now in the postseason. You know, these guys are like Lincecum went went back to 2008 Lincecum in the postseason. Like he was on fire. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, like, you know, we think of it now as, oh, you know, these these aces. But in the regular season, they were good. They weren't great. They just dialed it up in that postseason. Well, and, you know, the great thing, too, is, uh, again, will we see this again? Um, you've got Kane, Lincecum, Zito and Sanchez, who all started 33 games each that year mm-hmm. um, with the amount of injuries and how hard guys throw. I, I know the analytics are there to help um, with arm injuries and to prevent arm injuries. Um, 
and and they're doing a good job of it. This year is an anomaly. I mean, you can't you can't take 2020 and say like, hey, let's look at 2020 versus 2010. That's hard to do because it was a 60 game season. Um, guys didn't have their 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 real spring training, so there were a lot of arm injuries this year. Um, so maybe next year we'll see you know kind of a little bit closer. But but to have four guys have 33 starts each, and then when and then when Bumgarner was up. 18 starts, um, a lot of dependability out of your pitchers. So then when you got to that postseason, uh, I think that's where they just really shine because they had started all season long. Um, they, they didn't miss a good chunk of the season in the middle of it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, definitely. I mean, I say dominant pitching, um, because home runs were down that year and everything. I mean, you look at Lincecum too. He, he only gave up 18 home runs that year in 212 innings. Um, keeping the ball in the yard was kind of the MO and should still be in the ballpark that we're at in. So going forward, that should always be the MO is keeping the ball in the yard. Um, and I think they did a fairly decent job of that that year. And if you look at these numbers... Barry Zito, by the numbers of how we look at numbers today, super serviceable, like fourth or fifth guy. Oh, yeah. But so frustrating (laughs) back then (laughs) to watch because we expected him to come in and and be an ace, right? Well, he was always compared to that contract. I mean, that was just that was it from then on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we 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 we'll stop reminiscing though. You know, over over this this uh, this winter and uh, this fall and winter for for these shows, we'll we'll do a little bit more reminiscing. I think we're gonna do some fun stuff with some pretty important games. And you know, I actually wrote uh, when, when from 2010, 2012, 2014, out of just for well, it's actually for fun. I started writing gamers like I was like oh I wonder if I you know how how I can write these stories of these playoff games and then they kept winning and I'm like oh god I can't <laughs> stop because you know that would be bad luck and so then they won the world series and I kept writing I was like oh great and then 2012 they're back and I'm like should I write again I was like yeah because it would be bad luck if I don't write again and so for from 2012 uh 2010 2012 2014 for every single playoff game I actually have a game story that I wrote for fun uh, <laughs> that I still have on my website. So it, we may look at some of those games and then I'll have like a thing that will remind me of exactly what we were doing. But anyways, it was really fun to talk about that clinch game and, and the season. But we will we will move on to talk about other stuff uh, well, I, that is more current. I got to throw out here. It's Adam LaRoche. That's, that's, oh, that's who you were thinking That's the player I was thinking of. So he... Um, had played for the Braves in 2009 and the Giants were looking for a first baseman. So he ended up signing with the Diamondbacks for a year um, just to kind of get his numbers up. So that year in Arizona, of course, one year deal, he hits 261 with 25 home runs, drives in 100 runs in <laughs> uh, 151 games. And I remember the interview, uh, you know, in the paper, he said, I didn't want to go to San Francisco. They were, you know, courting me, but I didn't want to go there because of that ballpark. And so then from then on, I just hated the guy. I was like, and then, and then after 2010, I said, you know, Hey, sorry, dude. (laughs) You know, Huff took your ring. Yeah. Huff took your contract, took your ring. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, I want to mention the YouTube audience because our show is now on YouTube. We're going to put every single show on YouTube. Um, The YouTube channel 
Brad and I have put videos up there. You put the 87 clinch yeah. with uh, with Will Clark screaming at Gary Park about how he's been waiting this for his whole life, and he's like 23 years old. Yeah. And uh, I put up um, a couple of videos. I put up the Pablo hit his third jack because I was there live at that game, World Series 2012 Game 1, and I just busted out. I don't even know what kind of phone it was, maybe like an iPhone 4 or something. <laughs> so you don't even really see the ball go out. I, it was just more like just look at the crowd go nuts for Pablo's third home run in a row. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to keep putting stuff on there as we find it. I know you got you got a lot of old tapes that you can you can put up there. And yeah, also I just found 97 clinch. Um clinching the west and then i also have and i don't even know if it's going to play in the vhs deck but i have the uh cubs at giants game five of the 89 nlcs oh yeah um i was at that game actually so you uh, have seen a clinch game i have seen a clinch oh. game. that was that was my first clinch game and i'm pretty sure that was my only one um i'm trying to go through memory here and 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 i think that was it 89 nlcs buddy from high school we were um Oh gosh, uh, 89. So we were, uh, juniors in high school mm-hmm. and a buddy of mine had an extra ticket and he was like, Hey, my, my brother can't go. And I'm like, dude, let's go. So we just skipped <laughs> school and just took off. <laughs> and so we cruised up to San Francisco, watched the game. And I remember leaving the parking lot and I had one of those. remember they used to give it like the little, um, the, the little, uh, kind of like a cardboard piece of paper from the Chronicle. Uh-huh. Um, they would give those out of the game. And then, so when you were leaving, they had already printed these up that said, you know, uh, Giants going to the World Series. And so we, I was hanging out his window, his side, his passenger window with that, like driving the whole way down 101 back to <laughs> back to Cupertino. <laughs> it, was, it was such a fun day, man. But I'm going to try to get that. I don't even know if it'll play, but I think those are on YouTube. But, you know, coming from my own tape is kind of special. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I was in junior high school and I raced, I ran home <laughs> from school. And right when I got there, was the uh, the Mitch Williams Will Clark at bat? So I got oh, there man. right in time. That was so tense in the ballpark. That was just a crazy when he hit that up the middle. Man, the place just exploded. It was yeah, insane. And the open to this show is Hank Greenwald's call. Yeah, on the last out of the game where they got. I think it was uh, Sandberg grounds out from to Thompson and and, uh, and 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 they clinch. So that that's where we got that sound from. Uh, rest in peace, Hank Greenwald. I always loved Hank. Yeah, man. He was, uh, he was one of the reasons I, I loved listening to the Giants versus watching them. I didn't have mm-hmm. cable growing up. So whatever games were on KTVU, that's what we got. Um, but, but I basically grew up listening to Greenwald because I'd be out in the yard playing wiffle ball and we'd have the games on and everything. So that guy was just... Totally. He is, a, he is part of the Giants forever. So I, I would, you know, I'd be playing like a... A baseball video game or I'd be playing. Do you remember uh, Status Pro, which was like a card flipping game? Yes, I do. So yeah. I, pl- I would like play, you know, seasons of that game and just listen to the Giants in the background. You get through like three or four, you know, oh, in a yeah. couple hours. So that that's kind of how I would do it. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So uh, we, because this is a morning, <laughs> we're recording this in the morning. Now, people may not hear this in the morning, obviously, because we still got to put it up. And I don't necessarily want to put it up while football games are playing. I'll put it up Saturday in the evening. But because it is in the morning, we are not drinking our normal beverage, our normal adult beverage when we record. <laughs> Instead, 
we are drinking coffee. And I know you are a coffee lover. Uh, I know you uh, you grind your own coffee beans. <laughs> so get, give me the uh, give me the coffee. What what kind of blend? What kind of beans? Like wh- how how do you make your coffee? Well, this morning, what I've got, I. I like the cold brew, uh, but I didn't go for that this morning because in Reno, it's a little bit chillier in the morning uh, right now. So um, I I went with a hot coffee. We have a Ninja coffee maker. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there has one of those, but they are awesome. We kind of stumbled onto it a couple of years ago. And it's it's like a Keurig in the way that you can just make a single cup, but mm-hmm. you just put the grounds in there. So you're yeah. not using like the K cups and wasting, you know, right. Because right. my wife's big environmentalist would not go for something like that. And I totally agree. So we found this thing and it's cool. So, um, <clears throat> it's got a setting on there called cafe forte. So you put like two big scoops of coffee in there and it makes eight ounces. So I like to do that cause it's the, the darker roast and I use Joe, um, you can find them on Amazon and they make all these different great kinds. So, um, being older, I'm not a full calf guy anymore. I am a half calf guy. Uh, I will admit that now uh, I had a hard time admitting that, but, but now I will admit that. Um, so I get the, what's their decaf is called no fun Joe. And, and so it's pretty awesome. So you get the, the decaf of that. And then they have their, um, their dark, um, New York roast. So I mix those two together and then, uh, take a little almond milk and put a splash of like uh, pumpkin spice in there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then it's got like a little frother on the side of the Ninja coffee maker. So you mm. froth it up, pour that over the top and, uh, really gets you going in the morning, even a half calf, just like, you know, you get jittery and. Now, now it's time to clean the house and run around like a crazy man. <laughs> so I, uh, I was one of those Keurig beasts for a little while <laughs> when, when I was single. But that, I won't tell Denise. Uh, yeah. Then when I met Crystal, she's like, um, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're not doing that." And so, and so, yeah. Now, you know, we we uh, we want to get to a point where we become even more coffee enthusiasts and, you know, we buy beans and and grind our own beans and stuff. We're not there yet, uh, probably because we have young kids, but (laughs) at some point that's kind of one of our, one of our goals. Like we, we really want to get into it. But so usually I have my coffee very simple. I just put like a, uh, a tablespoon of heavy cream in it. And the reason why I do it that way is I I mostly I would say ninety nine percent of the time I do the intermittent intermittent fasting. Mm, so I, right. I generally I generally don't eat any food of of, of anything uh, until like two probably two o'clock sometimes three o'clock in the afternoon. So basically what I'm what I'm going off of is you know my my food from the night before. And then my coffee with a little bit of heavy cream and the heavy cream with the fat in it kind of just just keeps me going. And so today we ran out of heavy cream and I was like, oh, oh my God, what am I <laughs> no. going to do? Of all right? days. <laughs> right. And, and you know, I, I, I can drink coffee black. It's, it's fine. I just don't enjoy it as much. But I also have, uh, you know, there's also the coconut oil, if you want to throw that, the CT yeah. uh, oil, which is fine. That's okay, too. But I just I just love that little bit of cream because I do the intermittent fasting, and it's, it's just, it just keeps me going. So one, one trick 
is to basically grab a uh, slice off a, 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 a rectangle of butter and you put it in the coffee and then you, you know you mentioned the the blend the the ninja coffee maker we have we have a blender and so you just spin it in the blender for like 5 seconds and it essentially does what heavy cream would do to the coffee so that's how i'm drinking it this morning um i know a lot of people call it a uh, bullet they call it bulletproof coffee or something like there's like a couple of different recipes to try and like supposedly like these people oh, think like right. it gives you like a little bit more of energy but also those are the i think most of the people who drink it that way also are on like really high fat low carb diets so they yeah. they kind of kind of you know with their metabolism and stuff so but yeah so that that's what i that's what i did today and uh i uh we we, we will eventually get heavy cream at the store today but i was like oh this is how you, <laughs> this is how i can do it in a pinch so yeah when i'm just doing like, uh, you know, just a regular cup of coffee in the morning. I'll, I'll do that, you know, one scoop of each, a regular decaf, but it, there's a smaller scoop for that. And then, and then I do it like a splash of, um, half and half. And, and then mm -hmm. that's pretty mm -hmm. much it. So almost, almost black. But the problem with the black is that it's, um, Garrett, I'm getting older, man. So I get, I get a little bit of that GERD going, you know, yeah, if I yeah. don't No, no, I, to I, I totally get it. You got to splash it down just a little bit so you don't get that lump in your throat the rest of the day. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a I had a recent experience. I hope this is not sharing too much information, but um, I had the the lining thing uh, in the esophagus uh, went down a little bit. So I was like, oh, I had this wow. like it felt like it was just like a knot in the middle of my uh, in the middle of my esophagus. And then yeah. when I went to the doctor, they're like, mm, it's probably from a a few different things, but you know, it's probably from you know, the, whatever your, your coffee or your food. So I, again, I, I am uh, mostly low carb, so I don't get the heartburn for, from that, right. but it was, you know, I do drink coffee, I do drink whiskey. Uh, and I was also, uh, taking a, a lot of, of supplements and vitamins, which I've pulled down, but sometimes, you know, if you were taking them like me, which is just taking them dry or taking them like 20 at a time. So that, oh, you know, God. <laughs> and so that, I think that was also part of the problem. And so I've pulled back on that. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I totally get what you're saying as you get older, uh, your body has ways of reminding you that you're not 21 years old anymore. Oh, for sure. And, and I'm sure the, the younger people listening to this right now are like, what the hell are these guys <laughs> talking about? Just, you know, give it five or 10 years. You'll be there. Oh yeah. Well, one, you know, once you turn 30, like and and you know you and I were both sort of young thirties because we ha we have kids and yeah. you know we were still active and you know so we were able to do everything but there's certain things where your body's like hey I know you think you're still young but just a reminder and you're like oh god <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's what I tell every everybody is is thirty is is the year where you start to realize things and you can still push through it you can still yeah. do almost everything you could in your twenties but you just get these sort of like random reminders that you're not you're not just a young kid anymore well in your situation too you went from like oh the boys are older and they're out of the house and uh yeah okay cool now you got young kids now you got to get out there and play again i know i know <laughs> i took both my kids they're they're 14 and, and 11 almost 12 i took them out to the park yesterday and i was like we're not going to sit in the house all day we're going to go out to the park right next to our house here and and i brought a nerf football i brought a frisbee some wiffle balls a wiffle bat some badminton stuff and we went out there and we were out there for about an hour um and and and, and, and 
and then I just remembered like, hey, this is why I work out every day so yeah. I can go out and still yeah. do this stuff and not absolutely. Like, wretch a knee or an ankle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, let, let's move on to uh, some awards that you wanted to do, which is the awards for this year's Giants team uh, are overachieving 29 and 31, almost making the playoffs and kind of breaking our heart again, San Francisco yeah. Giants. So what, what, were the, what were the awards and uh, who's winning these awards for this season? Well, so now the award, did you pick any, by the way? Or is this just uh, all me? I, I mean, it, it could be all you, but as okay. you as you talk through them, I, you know, I can give my thoughts as well. Okay, because I know I know one of them we're gonna uh, we're gonna disagree on. Um, but so the awards I decided uh, for this season, you know, act as if the Giants were the only team out there. So we picked an MVP for the Giants, a Cy mm-hmm. Young Award winner, Rookie of the Year, and I threw in that that could be not just a rookie because what do you got? You know, maybe one or two, but that could that, that could also be a guy who played for the Giants for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a rookie to the team. Um, and the we did a little throwback 80s uh, award here. We went the the Rolades Relief Man <laughs> Award. I don't know if you guys remember that when we used to watch, um, oh, what is it? Uh, this Week in Baseball with oh, yeah. Bill Allen, right? Every Saturday morning, get jazzed for that show. Uh, they had the Rolades Relief Man of the Week, and then they had the, the year at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the MVP... I went with Yaz. I went back and forth on this one, and I figured you were going to pick Belt, um, but I had to go with Yaz because of the more consistency um, out of Yaz, and he hit 297 this year, 10 home runs, 35 RBIs. His OPS was 968. Versus lefties, it was 997. For a lefty batting against lefties to have a 997 OPS was phenomenal. Uh, against righties, 952 is actually lower against righties. Um, and anytime he let off an inning, um, his on base percentage was 373. Um, he was he was the leadoff hitter for the Giants most of the time, but anytime he let off an inning, uh, he he hit he his on base percentage was three seventy three which I thought you know a great table setter MVP of the team getting on base getting things going so I know I mean I think that's a great pick he did he he got hurt at the end of the season he tapered off a little bit his numbers and Dickerson's numbers Dickerson actually had a thirty nine uh, no forty one less at bats than than Yastrzemski. Right. Dickerson's numbers are eerily similar. To Yaz's numbers, but there are other things involved. A, Yaz is hitting leadoff, and so you know he he is walking. He he and Belt both walked thirty times this year, uh, this season, uh, which is which is great because when you have two people, you know, hitting in the top three or four positions in the order, uh, both getting on base at a nice clip. Uh, Belt's OPS was one point oh one five. And so, you know, you got you got table setters, you got guys and you hoping guys, you know, like Wilmer, who leads the team in home runs, can clean up a little bit. Also second on the team in RBI to Yaz. So I am fine with that pick. I just thought it was very it was very interesting that Dickerson's numbers were so close to Yastrzemski's as they were, because I don't think we looked at those two guys as the same player or as, uh, you know, close to each other. But it, that 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 is something that I wonder 
Um, cause I'd love to see, I, I don't know what their, what the contract is like, but I'd love to see Dickerson come back too and, and have him get, uh, a full, a full season, um, with the club. And, and if they could re- replicate that because he hit 298 and Yaz hit 297, Yaz's, uh, on base was, was a lot better. The only thing I would say for belt, like if you were to say, okay, this is an offensive, uh, MVP, maybe it right. does lean a little bit belt because, um, you know, he, he he was almost one for one in walks and strikeouts. And uh, Stremski struck out a little bit more in our, you know, in our three true outcomes, uh, Major League Baseball uh, that 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 we are in today, you know, walk, hit or home run or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, strikeout, <laughs> you know, or, or home run. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with Stremski because he's also sort of like the the leader he won the Willie Mack award and yeah. you know just uh just just a gem a gem of a find and i hope because you know he's it's not like he's a 22 year old rookie uh, i hope he's still got like you know another two or three years like this because you can build around that you know belt and crawford and longoria you know those guys have more games behind them than in front of them uh, so I don't know how much longer like guys like that will be on the team. But if you do need to build around somebody and Yastrzemski can be the same guy for the next few years, not not a bad person to build around, I don't think. Well, you know, and the fun thing, too. So looking at the contracts, um, Dickerson has two more years of arbitration. Um, but again, you're talking about Yaz. You're talking about Dickerson. These guys, they're already 30. I mean, Yaz is 29, Dickerson's 30. These guys have been around for a while, but because they've been toiling in the minors quite a bit, we do still have team control over them. Um, Team control over Yaz for the next two years, 21, 22, and then three years of arbitration. So it's kind of odd to look at a guy and say, he's got, you know, his last year of arbitration, he'll be 34 years old. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. We were used to, you know, Lincecum and those arbitration years when he was 24, 25 yeah. years old and thinking, hey, how are we going to hang on to these guys? Same thing with uh, Belt and Crawford. Um, so, so and, and Dickerson arbitration for two more years. He's a, a free agent in 23, um, and he'll be 33 years old at that point. So, but yeah, I mean, so you do have, you do have your left and your right fielder pretty much for the next, uh, you know, two, three years going forward if they, if they want to keep it that way. But yeah, I thought you were going to lean a little bit more towards belt just because. You know, he's one of those guys that for years, Giants fans are like, when is he going to put this all together? Well, he mm-hmm. did. I mean, this yeah. is the year he put he it all really together. He had a really yeah, good yeah, season. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. But yeah, I just went with Yaz more because of the plays he made in the outfield as yeah, well. Yeah, it's the right pick. I think it's definitely yeah, the right Yeah, a little pick. bit more of a, uh, of a spark plug and a team leader. So I went MVP there. Um, all right. Uh, Cy Young. <clears throat> uh, this one was back and forth for me. Uh Smiley Gossman. Uh, I, I went with Gossman on this one mainly because um, he was there more. He, he was pitching more. Uh, Smiley's K per nine was 14.3. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we haven't seen that on a gi- from a Giants pitcher in a very long time. We've, we haven't had like massive strikeout guys. I mean, Kane got the strikeouts. Uh, Timmy got the strikeouts. Bum got the strikeouts. But they were never like, you know, close to flirting with 300 strikeout guys. I, th- I think um, like Lincecum's first season, I think he he was like kind of up there. Uh, and, and I'll look this up while you talk about it. Okay. But, um, 
but yeah, like I mean that that's like almost like you know it's small sample size for for yeah. one. But yeah, it was ridiculous the numbers that he was getting for for the, for the strikeouts because you know he's not throwing nine innings or anything, but but still just a, a amazing short season for him. And what it is, it just gives you an idea. You're like, okay, like he doesn't have to strike that many guys out in order to be valuable to this team. Right. But if he can strike guys out at a pretty decent clip, then you know he's gonna be he's gonna be great for them because. That is one again. We're back in this, you know, true outcomes. <laughs> you know, if you, if you have a pitcher who strikes guys out, then that means there's less, uh, you know, there's less worry for things that you can't control, which is where a batted ball goes up the middle versus yeah. against your shift or whatever. So Timmy's best strikeout season was a 265 strikeouts in 2008, and then he followed it up with 261 in 2009, and he led the National League. Uh, three years in a row from 08 to to 10 in strikeouts. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, and and we love to see that. And But are we past that era? Because like you said, too, I mean, you got a pitch to contact guy. Do you want that? I mean, or do you, you know, in, in this era of launch angles and getting the ball out of the ballpark, do you want a pitch to contact guy? Um, so so you got to find those strikeout guys. And I think the Giants did a very, very good job of that this year with Gossman and Smiley because Gossman's strikeout per nine. And, and again, I went with the Cy Young for, for Gossman, three, three, three and three with a 3.62 ERA, 1.11 whip, 11.92 Ks per nine. Um, mm -hmm. Again, when we were just looking at the Ks per nine for the 2010 team, Team, there was nobody above 10. Mm -mm. Uh, everybody was in the nine to eight range. Um, and a 2.41 walks per nine, which is what you want. Again, you, you want a guy who's going to find the strike zone. You want a guy who's going to um, not necessarily pitch to contact, but get those strikeouts when he needs it. Um, so, yeah, I went with Gossman on that one. I don't know if. Yeah, no, I think that's the right thing. You know, the, looking at Cueto's numbers, he did not have a great season. Um, he gave up, uh, I think it was mostly, you know, for someone like him, he put base runners on, unfortunately, through walks. His, his you know, he, he gave up a hit in inning, which is okay, not great, but Gossman was under that, uh, and, you know, Smiley was under that. I think the only pitcher who really was sort of, I don't even want to say bad, but Logan Webb kind of petered out at the end of that season even Tyler Anderson you know he was inconsistent Anderson was inconsistent but he wasn't as uh as as bad as Webb was at toward the end of the year and you know I who knows what this what this uh is going to look like next year uh what's going to happen to Cueto I imagine he comes back but he's got to be a little bit better uh hopefully you know he got hurt and usually that like second season after you come back, but he's also going to be 35. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see if he's going to be of value. And uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he is, hopefully he'll get back to uh, a little bit more of what he was um, though. You know, as you get older, velocity is going to go down, but I did, I do like Gossman. I hope Gossman can be, he doesn't have to be Jason Schmidt reincarnate, but <laughs> no, he could be close to that and you know he may not be as overpowering as schmidt was uh for those few seasons where he was a stud with the giants but um also he flamed out because he probably threw too many pitches <laughs> right right like that's kind of what it was and yeah. now they're watching arms and stuff so hopefully you know gossman is 29 as well so sort of what we were talking about with uh, dickerson and yastrzemski 
you kind of have a team where you, you have these sort of veterans who've been around. They haven't really delivered at a high level, but they've been around enough to where, you know, they, they know they know how to play baseball and you can build a team, a competitive team with guys like that who feel like this is their chance to be what they always imagined they would be. And if you spl- if you spice that team up with some young players, you know, we'll get to Joey Bart in a second, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. And then, you know, I don't think the Giants are going to make any big time uh, signing uh, signings this year. Uh, I don't imagine that, you know, that's coming. But, you know, you kind of have what we were talking about in 2010, where you have like the, this, this sort of small nucleus, and then you're just bringing in guys and hoping that they fit. In 2010, all of those decisions seemed to work. There were some. You look at that roster. There were some that didn't work. We just forgot. Right. We just forget about them because <laughs> they weren't there very long. But that's kind of what you hope for this team. Now, does like you were saying, does that work in 2020 baseball? We'll see because it's going to have to be who they become for uh, for for the next couple of years at least. Well, and then and then their mo right now is going out and you know signing a pitcher. Um, getting a good year out of him, and then he might take off for a bigger contract. But you've got Gosman, who said multiple times he wants to be here. Um, so, th- so that's always kind of fun. Uh, whenever you have a guy who says, "Hey, I want to. I like this place. I want to be here." Um, will he take a discount? to stay in San Francisco. I mean, it's got such a great ballpark to pitch in. Uh, you've got a, a great hitting team behind you. That's going to drive in runs for you. Um, you could be successful. Does he sign like a two or three year deal to stick around smiley? I, I don't see that with smiley. I see him, you know, getting a contract from a contender, uh, not to say we're not a contender, but next year, somebody who needs like a, you know, a, a solid number three guy who can strike people out. Um, because obviously Smiley found something this year. Uh, the Giants pitching staff helped him out with that, uh, or the, the uh, pitching coaches and the analytics and everything else. So, I mean, to strike out 14 per nine, small sample size, but, you know, he, he, he was dominant in a couple of those starts down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in pressure games, too. These weren't just like, you know, hey, we're out of it. We're facing what, whoever. You know, I mean, you know, facing the Padres, facing uh, some of the stronger teams down the stretch. So, um, you know, can you sign both of these guys? Probably not. Uh, can they sign Gossman? Yeah, sure. I, I don't see why not. So. So uh, who was your, what was your next award? All right. Next award is rookie of the year. Again, this could be anybody who played for the Giants for the first time. This one, I went on the offensive side because again, you could go Smiley, you could go Gossman, you can go, but, but here's a guy who I want to see more out of. Unfortunately, he's a free agent after this year. I gave my rookie of the year award to Darren Ruff. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And I did that because filling in, you know, in left field at first base, wherever they wanted him, he did a great job. DH'd a little bit. He hit 276 with five home runs, 18 ribs and a 887 OPS. Um, Whenever he was in there, whenever they needed him, he he was in there and crushing the ball. His on-base percentage for a guy who's a masher, his on-base percentage was 370. Um, the guy could draw walks, um, fun, fun, right-handed power at the plate. Uh, so, so I went, I went ahead with rough. Um, again, you could have gone Wilmer Flores, um, 
you could have gone again. I could have gone pitching. So there's a, a couple of different ways you could have gone. Couldn't have gone Joey Bart. I'll tell you that, <laughs> you know, we clamored to see him this year and the numbers just weren't there. And uh, rumor is now we may see him in AAA next year, get a veteran yeah. catcher to back up Posey next year. So, but, but yeah, I, I like Darren Ruff. I'd like to see more of him. I'd like to see him come back um, as kind of that fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder uh, guy who can play infield outfield, which makes him valuable right there. Um, kind of like a, a Dubon type of guy. Um but but with massive power. So, um, okay. And then you have the reliever of the year, which I know is not going to be uh, Coonrod or Gott. Whatever. <laughs> Are you the, sure? Uh, the opposite of of that award <laughs> yeah. is what they would have won. Well, and I gave it to a guy who, again, I want to see more of, and fans on Twitter also wanted to see more of late in the season. And I gave it to Tony Watson. Um, Tony Watson is that lefty out of the pen, that lefty specialist, but us fans are thinking, man, could he have taken the closer role this Mm -hmm. season? And, and if he had taken the closer role and if they had, you know, shied away from so much of the analytics and said, Hey, here's a guy that can also face right-handers. Let's see what he could do. Uh, he had a 2.50 ERA only pitched in 18 innings, uh, 0.89 walk, uh, whip, uh, so three walks on the season of 15 strikeouts and a 191 uh, batting average against. Uh, so, so that was my pick for the Rollades Relief Man of the Year. Throwback to the 80s. Um, he just edged out Goose Gossage for that award. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about Kent to Colby? <laughs> Kent to Colby. I've got I. And this one I'll post on our uh, on our YouTube page also. Um, I've got this 1980, oh gosh, probably like 85, 86 um, baseball bloopers. And there's Kent Tocolvi with the Pirates and his, you know, he was a submariner like uh, like Watson. And he was, Watson was another guy I could have gone with for the Rollades Relief Man too. He had some uh, good numbers, but uh, um, did I say Watson? You mean... I'm, Roger. I meant to say Rogers. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Uh, like Rogers. So, um, anyways, getting to, to Colby in this video, he's got his uh, shades on and he's doing an interview at Chase Stadium, and an airplane flies over, and he takes a, a, a you know, takes a break during the interview to let the airplane go over, and takes a, a fake submachine gun and aims it at the airplane, mm-hmm. and tries to shoot it down. Oh my god! Uh, with his with his air gun, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Try to get away with that nowadays. That's not going to fly. But yeah, yeah, uh, so, anyways, right. I'll put that up on our YouTube page. But that's pretty awesome. So the Rogers argument is he threw so much. He <laughs> he and uh, per- Peralta were the were the guys who got in the most games. Watson Watson didn't get in as many as he was like fifth or, or, or sixth, maybe fifth, fifth I think on in, in overall games. And like you said, he's probably their best reliever. I don't know. You know, it could have been that that three minimum batter rule that uh, that they have that that may, maybe they they didn't think he was going to be as effective uh, against right handers. But you know, he definitely had he definitely is their best reliever. Uh, the uh, but the the argument for Rogers is the fact that he just threw so often and he became. 
um, Gabe's, you know, top guy as far as being, you know, just trusting him. And he could just go out like day after day after day because he only throws 84 <laughs> miles an hour. Right. But, and that uh, arm motion, I mean, that's more of a softball pitcher motion. And uh, all studies have said that softball pitchers, that's why softball pitchers don't have as many arm injuries is because that's a natural motion. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you could throw back to back games. No problem. Argument against is that he just gave up too many hits, though there were a couple of stints where he just got bombed that probably inflated those uh, those numbers. And he, you know, even though he's a soft tosser, he did have uh, one of the better uh, K's per nine for relievers. It was um, it was uh, Sean Anderson who, if Sean Anderson could just find the strike zone, I think he's going to be pretty lights out because he doesn't give up a lot of hits. He just, you know, people can just wait and and uh, wait and see if he's going to throw strikes because he had the, he had the top. Uh, actually, he had he was second, and then Selman was the top. Selman actually threw 19 innings in 24 appearances, so you know he had uh, he had good strikeout numbers. But Rogers was like right after those guys, and it's kind of funny because you know he like we said he does throw. Uh, 85 miles an hour uh, on the gun and he's still able to because of the deception and the movement he's able to strike guys out yeah and he's a fun pitcher to watch um made you nervous all the time because yeah like you said i mean his his fastball was in the 80s just floating up there and you're like oh man this thing's gonna fly out of here if somebody gets a hold of it so but uh but yeah watson just and that's the worst rule in baseball and i hope it goes away that that three uh batter minimum for relievers. It's just to shorten games, which takes away from the competition. I mean, you got to get rid of that rule. That's, that's the worst rule in baseball right now of all the new rules that have come in. That, that thing is just awful. Cause like you said, you do take guys out of it. Like Watson. I mean, he could come in and face two guys, uh, you, you know, in the ninth inning, you can get somebody to get the first out and then Watson comes in, gets the next two and, and then that's it. But you can't do that anymore. Yeah. So it, it, you just got to get rid of that rule. All right. Was that it with the awards? That is it. That is my 2020 San Francisco Giants awards. All right. So let's talk about Joey Bart. We will stop putting this off <laughs> uh, since you mentioned it. Uh, I had some quotes from an article that Alex Pavlovich uh, wrote. Uh, I think the quotes are from uh, Evan Longoria. But let, let's quickly look at Joey Bart's season. Uh, I think everyone knows how badly he struggled. We, we were joking about the three walks and 41 strikeouts uh, last, uh, last show. He hit 233. He didn't slug well. He didn't get on base. His OPS was awful. Again, small sample size. But you just saw him very much overpowered by uh by the the top thrower but the top pitchers the top relievers they would come in and they would you know set these hard throwers up against him and he's like you know he he's swinging hard but there there was clear i did not have faith that he was even going to make contact in most of these situations but when he hit the ball he hit the ball hard he's a strong dude and you know we were talking about it earlier in the season like just bring this guy up the team's not going to be good we want to see him play <laughs> and and Farhan uh, Zaidi and Gabe were both like uh we're not sure that he's ready and we're like how could he not be ready he's the top <laughs> you know second draft like but at the end of the day they were probably right the reason why he came up is because they just didn't have anybody better than him. You know, as, as much as we like Trump and Heinemann, like they were even... Trump, from a power perspective, had four jacks. So you can't say that, you know, he had, he didn't uh, hit, uh, at least from, from that perspective. But, you know, Heinemann was uh, hitting 190 and, you know, 
didn't get on base either. Uh, Trump hit 213. He didn't have the four bombs. So, you know, Bart was the better player out of those three guys, uh, except you expected Buster Posey in 2010. And, and that's not what he was yet. So the, the, the thing that I wanted to read is uh, Evan Longoria was kind of giving reasons why. And so he said, uh, he really needed Buster here, let's be honest. Buster would have, I think, really helped him deal with things on a day-to-day basis, and I told Buster this a couple of weeks ago. I think Buster made the right decision. Your family always has to come first. And I didn't say it to Buster to make him feel bad or make him think that he made the wrong decision. But you can't expect a guy to know everything when he first comes up, and Joey was trying to work through a lot of things. As a young player... I, when he came up with the Rays, I had veteran infielders that could help me really get through some situations. In a year like this where everyone was separated and it wasn't a normal year where you could have a close, uh, close-knit close clubhouse, I think sometimes he felt isolated. He felt like he was trying to figure out a lot of things on his own, which is very interesting to me because just for all of the things that I just said right now about why we wanted him up... He probably feels that way as well, because, you know, think about being a high draft pick. You get a a nice signing bonus. And I'm sure he, as a, what is he, 22, um, was making more money than most of those guys uh, who've been playing for a long time. Right. And so there's a little bit of pressure there and you're supposed to come in and sort of be the savior and you're struggling. And some of those guys don't exactly know that feeling they were the best player on their high school teams and you know maybe on their college teams but they weren't the best player in college baseball or one of the the top two so I think that is a very interesting thing and Longoria came up as the Joey Bart of the Rays right a different position but like he knows what that pressure is like and he's basically saying I had some vets to help me now what that might be saying is that I, I, the, the thing that I thought was like, okay, well, why didn't you help him? But I think he's right. saying, like, from a catcher's perspective, there yeah. are things that he can't actually help Joey with that Buster would have been perfect with. So as much as we were sort of goofing on on uh, on Bart, uh, just for fun, obviously, because we, we want to see him be the stud that we think he's going to be, I thought that was really interesting from Longoria to to kind of break it down in in that way. Well, and and that is very telling too, and uh, you know, and and I hope also that the argument for hey, let's get uh, Buster out of the catcher position and throw him at first base uh, and whatnot that that's got to be put to rest now because obviously Belt has had a fantastic year. Posey's going to be the catcher next year. Um, he's going to split time. Probably not as much with Bart because Bart's probably not going to start. You know, up in the bigs next year. Uh, <clears throat> but what I do, what I do agree with on that one hundred percent is that yes, he did not have the catching presence. Um, he didn't have that 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 tutelage from Posey. And again, I totally agree with what Posey did. I, I don't have any problem with that. No, That's, me neither. This is a weird year, man. You have to do what is right for your family. You, you don't owe anything to anybody except for your family. That That's the bottom line. Um, it, but I think, I think Bart did definitely force some things this year. I think he was very much like Pedro Serrano, man. He just, <laughs> you know, hit hit fastball very well, 
cannot hit curveball. <laughs> and, and I think it, when those breaking pitches would come in and they would come in the dirt and he was hacking, I'm sitting there going, man, he needs, and, and again, was it so much from the catching perspective? He was a decent enough uh, defensive catcher. I think it was just more from the hitting perspective. And I think it's more from the perspective of when you're a catcher, you don't just have a hitting responsibility. You have a, on the defensive side, you have an every pitch responsibility. Yeah. So you're out there calling the game. You're keeping the pitchers in check. You're helping them. At the same time, you're in your own head about your hitting when you come to the plate. And when you're hitting 233, you can't you can't draw walks. You're striking out. I mean, 41 strikeouts and 103 at bats. It's, it's in anything above his crazy. above his waist and towards the outside corner, he wasn't coming close. No, and and I think and again they have hitting coaches. They have he'll he'll come around on that side of it. But I think it's the mental side of things that that Posey uh, he really needed Posey this year for. Um, he needed him on the mental side of yeah. I mean I, hey, I'm going out there and I'm I'm struggling at the plate. How do I now switch that off? Go out, call a great inning. Not you know not let our pitchers give up a bunch of runs. Um, you know, mix up the pitches and everything else, still throw runners out and then come back up. And, and then, you know, I'm up now with the bases loaded. How do I switch off the catcher part of it mm-hmm. and then become a hitter? Um, so I think that, you know, we'll really see that next year when, when Posey's back. Um, but yeah, I feel bad for the guy. He's young. I, this is not going to ruin him. I don't want anybody to think like, oh my God, this year's going to ruin him. Uh, no, there's plenty of, there's plenty of time. He's a, he's a young kid. He's going to learn and Posey's going to help him along that. So, all right, let's quickly move on to the last two things that we're going to talk about here, which is the divisional series in the playoffs. We had the wild card round, which was like the fastest playoffs uh, in in any sport that I've ever seen except for you know March Madness it just it just it was just like three days in a row boom series is over and only two of those series actually went to a third game uh, which was um, the A's beating the White Sox and the uh, Padres beating the Cardinals so every other every other first round series was two and barbecue what we used to say <laughs> right <laughs> and so um and so uh, the Rays beat the beat the Blue Jays. The Yankees beat your Indians. Yeah, my bracket is destroyed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we were we were rooting very much against the Astros, and they beat the Twins, who are oh, they need to figure out how to get off this playoff uh, frustration that they have. They they can't even win a game in the playoffs. Was uh, eighteen straight losses. No. Yeah, and then, and then you know who who was the Astro who's like, oh, now what do you guys want to say? Like after winning, uh, a, yeah, a that was, series. <laughs> yeah, Carlos Correa, that guy is a mess. Um, you know, talking smack afterwards to saying, and nobody wanted us here. And uh, now what do you have to say? Now what do you have to, I don't know. You won two games against the twins. Yeah, for crying exactly. out loud. That's what we have to say. Uh, but got, if they could beat the A's, that's kind of impressive. And maybe you yeah. give them a little bit of credit. Well, and as much as we hate the A's, well, I don't know. I, I don't like them. I, I don't know how anybody else feels about them. But as a Giants fan growing up in the Bay Area, I just don't like the A's. Um, you know, especially after 89. Who does? I, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm an A's fan this week. Yep. Uh, just for this series. Because, yeah, I just I don't like the Astros at all. I don't like their cheating. Again, they cheated. It was against the Dodgers. So that's, that's that whole thing of, I mean, 
yeah, they cheated, but they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. So, exactly. you know, they kept that streak going. But yeah, nobody wants to see cheating. So, so speaking of that, I posted a poll on our Thompson to Clark uh, Twitter page, and I said, if by chance the Dodgers played the A's in the World Series, who are you rooting for? I was wondering if we were going to get 100% A's, <laughs> and we didn't. There no. are some people who feel that the A's are worse than the Dodgers to root for. It was 83.3% A's and 16.7% Dodgers. We still have under 50 votes, but still, I mean, that's a that's an, that's a good number of votes. It's not like we only had 10. So well, really I, interesting. I, I think it might have gotten skewed, and let me tell you why. So I retweeted that. Um, I, I voted for the A's uh, because no, as a any self-respecting Giants fan will not want to see the Dodgers win. That's the bottom line. Um, so I retweeted it. Being a Los Angeles Rams fan, I do have a lot of um, you know followers, and I follow a lot of people who are Rams fans who are also Dodgers. Mm, so I after I retweeted that, I thought, oh no, <laughs> I think I, I think I just skewed this a bit. So some of those might be my fellow Rams fans who are also Dodger fans. Got it, got it. <laughs> um, so the Dodgers they beat the Brewers two games to zero. The Brewers scored two runs in two games. They they got. Uh, they got Kershaw in, in in the second game, so I mean, look, Kershaw actually, you know, he pitched very well, so we got to give him that much credit. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, they look, I, you know, I hate to say it, I don't want to say anybody's unbeatable, but they look really good right now. And if the Padres, who uh, like we said, uh, won three game or two to one, if the Padres had their two best starters. I could see in a five-game series taking San Diego, but still it's kind of up in the air how healthy either of those two are going to be. And because of that, while I want San Diego to win, I don't know if I can pick San Diego over the Dodgers. I yeah, it's, we need more information. They don't play. This is Sunday. They don't play again uh, again until Tuesday. Um, so I haven't seen any news today. Uh, Clevenger, I would imagine is least likely of the two between him and Lamette to go. Um, but the Padres obviously do have that mojo at the plate. They do have that comeback mojo. Um, so can they out slug the Dodgers? Absolutely. I think they can, but they played horribly. Even when they had their best pitchers this year, they played horribly against the, against the Dodgers. Um, so, so yeah, I, I gotta go with LA in this one. So the uh, in, in this series, uh, the the Padres two their their two starters who did not pitch well. So Flaherty pitched very well, uh, even in taking the loss. But the two games that they, um, I let's see, no, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong team. Uh, so in the in the the two the three starters for um, for the Padres. So Davies went two innings, gave up four runs, and they got him out of there really quickly. Um, and Paddock, 2.1 innings and gave up six runs. So if you throw those guys at the Dodgers, like, you know, what, what what's going on? Like, I, I, I don't know, um, you know, when it comes to like... Uh, how you know how often those guys normally threw how many innings those guys normally threw 
in starts during the season. But it's still kind of crazy to me that if you're a Padres fan and you don't have those two aces, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll be fine. Because against the Cardinals, who are not uh, 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 near the hitting of, of the Dodgers, they spanked both of those guys and got those guys out before, you know, before the third inning ended. And so I don't know. I think if you have your two aces, you can you can that they they are as close to going head up mano e mano with the Dodgers as maybe any team, maybe the Yankees uh, still. But without those two guys, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, probably not. And then and then you get the Dodgers into the next round and they're going to take on either Miami or Atlanta. I mean, so that's uh, I mean, Atlanta <laughs> can hit with them. Yeah, they can't pitch with them. So, it, you know, in a seven game series, you know, in a five game series, Braves probably have a, a pretty decent chance against the Dodgers. But in a seven game series, then it becomes a little bit more about the consistency with the arms. And then you're like, mm. so I don't know. I, I don't want to see it, but I feel like we are headed towards another Dodgers World Series here. Now, on the other side, you know, the Yankees can hit with anybody. They obviously have Garrett Cole. So I think they are best suited to beat the Yankees. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think the Astros, I, I, I don't think the A's are, are, are well suited to beat the Dodgers here. The Rays are a little different, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do because their team is so... Uh, versatile and and stuff. So, but I I mean I think before this thing started, I was like oh, I'm kind of leaning towards Yankees Dodgers, but in no way do I want to see that. Like, who wants no. to see, <laughs> you know, who wants to see Yankees and Dodgers except for team, you know, the New York and the LA markets? It'll be great for yeah. them, but I don't want to see those teams. Like, I've seen it, those teams too often. It'll be the most watched um, World Series, I think, for for sure in a while. <clears throat> Here's the funny thing, and if I'm right, I, I, which I think I am, um, in 1981, I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, the Dodgers and Yankees played in the World Series, mm -hmm. and that was a strike-shortened season. Oh, yeah. So the last time the Dodgers and Yankees were in the World Series was a shortened season, and we may see that again this year. So we could have, um, and, and the Dodgers won that World Series, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fernando's rookie season? That was, yes. Um, so they went on to win that World Series. Um, so we can easily say that, um, am I right here? No, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, Los Angeles and Oh, that was the NLDS. My bad. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the Dodgers and the uh, and the Yankees. So, so yeah. So we can say if the Dodgers win this year, uh, and they also won in '81, we can say that uh, they have won two tainted World Series <laughs> in the like last uh, thirty years. So, I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going uh, Yankees A's in the ALCS, and I'm going Dodgers Braves in the NLCS. Where are you leaning? Well, I had Minnesota and Cleveland in the NLC or in the ALCS, and that didn't happen. I had the Dodgers and the Cubs in the NLCS. That's not going to happen. So to revise, I get a do-over, right? Yeah, so you get a do-over. This is kind of nice. I like this. Uh, so let's go. I'm going to go Tampa Bay because they're that sneaky team. Like you said, they're put together really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, from top to bottom, pitching to hitting, they can be a very tough team. You saw them just dominate the Blue Jays in that first round. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to go Tampa Bay 
and A's. Uh, and then on the NLCS side, that's a really tough one. Dodgers uh, are in. Miami and Atlanta is going to go five games. And I see Atlanta with the edge, although Miami's got that little swagger to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also have Don Mattingly. So at some point, <laughs> some point, he's going to blow the series for them. So that's why I'm going ATL and LA. And then, and then we'll talk about the next round after that. But yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about the next round. So just for people who, uh, who did not listen to our show last week, the way that this thing works is they play five games in a row, like no days off. Thankfully for the people who, who closed the, the, the wild card uh, round earlier, you know, they've had some time. Games start on Monday and Tuesday. But yeah. So, you know, this is going to be a race again. It's going to be whoever uses their bullpen correctly. I think some of these teams who get a lead early on, you know, it's to their benefit. But uh, this is a five-game race. Last series was a three-game race. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens. I still think that talent will sort of rise, but this is as much of a... Um, uh, I guess a, 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 a randomness as you can get when it comes to baseball, which historically the playoffs had been more so about let's make sure that the right team wins the world series. And I'm not sure it work. It's going to work like that this year. I'm actually hopeful it doesn't work like that this year, but <laughs> and do, uh, we'll and see. Do we want go forward going forward? Do we want to see eight teams on each side in the playoffs? I don't know. I think it's too much. I, I think it is too much um, because they can't, they can't replicate this, Next year, they can't say, okay, we're going to go three game series, all three games at the home ballpark. It's just not fair. It's just not right. There's going to be a lot more travel played into it. So I think eight teams on each on each side is just going to be a bit much. All right. We've been going a little long here. Let's quickly get to our all time Giants, San Francisco Giants uh, tournament here. So remind me the seeding for this first second round matchup because it's the 2012 World Series winning team against the 2003 playoff team. Right. So the number nine seed, uh, the 2003 team, it was the number nine seed. Uh, and then the number one seed is the 2012 World Series team. Um so we had a very fun matchup. We hadn't had any games go past six or any series go past six games yet. Yep. So this one ended up going seven games. It was awesome. It was back and forth. There were so many fun games in there. So many, uh, a couple of pitching duels towards the end. The 2003 team uh, took a 1-0 lead, winning the first game 5-1. to I thought, oh, here we go. 2003, hitting's going to defeat pitching. Um, and then the next game, the 2012 team came back and won a squeaker 4-3, to three, tied it up 1-1. One, one. Um, and then the 2003 team, of course, my, my picture of that just crashed. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> why not, right? I have, I, think, it. I, just, I have it in front of me. Okay, go for it. Okay, so uh, game one, like you said, uh, 2003 wins 5-1. to one, And then the 2012 team comes back, wins 4-3 to three late. And then 2003 goes up 2-1 to one with a 7-4 to four win. 2012 comes right back, wins 11-3. to three. Uh, Pagan, uh, who eventually wins the MVP of the series, uh, has, a, has a great game there. 
and then 2003 comes right back. So it's they're basically trading wins for every game. 2003 behind uh, Jason Schmidt, who uh, I mean he he didn't give up a run in either of his starts. So they win one to zero, and I think this was the extra inning game, right? Uh, it was, and you know. I thought the MVP could have gone to Jason Schmidt, uh, but the game picked Angel Pagan of the losing uh, 2012 team. Um, and yeah, Schmidt, I mean, 15 and two thirds innings, 18 strikeouts. The the thing is in that extra, actually that, that game was not extra innings. It, it uh, finished in the bottom of the night. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but Schmidt went like seven and a third or seven and two thirds in that game. Didn't give up a, a run. And um that's the game also that he went up against Kane, uh, and Kane did not give up a run as well. Kane went eight innings, didn't give up a run in that one. Uh, and then that one was the, the one nothing game is one in the, um, the bottom of the ninth Romo giving up the run. Um, he was, as you remember the 2012 closer, yep. uh, and, and that one, I want to say, didn't, didn't that start out as kind of Santiago, Santiago Casilla was the, um, was the closer for most of the year. And then it kind of went to Romo. Uh, and then Romo was hot during the playoffs. So he ended up being the closer during the playoffs. So, so yeah. So then the 2012 team wins 10 to zero to even it up a bum That's a bum win. And then in game seven, the 2003 team wins two to one. So it was, it was so crazy because, all of the game, the last two games that that 2003 team won were one to zero and two to one. So very close, tight knit games. And the uh, the games that the other the 2012 team won, they were just bombing them like 10, 11 to three and 10 to zero. So it was kind of interesting because I would have, you know, that 2012 team did have some good offense for sure. But uh, but, you know, they also won those one run games uh, very well. So it's kind of it's kind of easy, it's interesting to see that sort of flip that 2003 team eking out game seven. And they're, they may be the team of destiny in, in this tournament. <laughs> it's possible. And then when you look at the tournament seating, uh, of course, now it's not going to pull up for me. Here we go. Uh, when you look at the, the at the seeding uh, for the tournament, so they move on. Two thousand three moves on. They are into the final four. Um, they are the nine seed. So, so the next uh, series that we're going to do is the two thousand and ten World Series champion. So we still have a World Series winning team in here. We talked them up so much in this show too. Oh, they, they, oh, they, for they, sure. They, they cannot fail. That's true. We're leading right into this series. Uh, they go up against the 2000 NLDS losers. Um, and so another Bonds team against another World Series champion team. Uh, and then the winner of that will move into the uh, final four. Uh, and then the other matchups are the 2002 team against 1965 and then 1997 against 1966. So there are a couple 60s teams in here. So there is a chance, the way the bracket is set up, there's a very good chance that you could have two 2000s teams uh, facing off against each other in the final, or you could also have two 1960s teams facing off against each other in the final. So that, that should be interesting going down to the final four here. Awesome. 
Very interesting. I mean, we started this at the first episode of this podcast, we started this tournament. So it's kind of like the way that I'm tracking how many shows that we've done is like where we are in this tournament <laughs> seating. And we're, get, we're getting down to, to some of the nitty gritty. We, we are still going to try and figure out if we can actually do like a little bit of a play by play of an important game in the tournament using out of the park baseball. So we'll, we're going to figure out and see if we can actually do that at some point, but that'll be a lot of fun. And we'll throw that on the YouTube channel. Yeah. And I think if I could figure it out, cause I'm going to do it on my end here. I think if I could figure it out, what I really like to do, which be, I think would be kind of fun is uh, do a play by play for each game of the final, mm-hmm. uh, the, the final matchup. And then, you know, we could talk about it uh, on the podcast, but then we can also put up those games on YouTube and then the listeners can go back and watch each game so they can see what we had talked about, uh, during, during this whole season and, and how this all went down. So I think that would be kind of fun. So I'll get that, get that all worked out. Awesome. All right. So uh, I know you're about to head out and, and spend some time with the family, so I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so I will I, I will still be texting you. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, st- I'll oh, still send you a yeah. couple texts here and there just to about stuff going on. And uh, and, and so it'll, it'll you, you know, I don't want to bother you too much, but I'm, I know there's going to be things like, oh, I got to text Brad. Sorry. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll be drinking beers by the pool and I'll be I'll have my phone with me and I'll, I'll have uh, the MLB app or whatever it is pulled up. Oh, yeah. And I'll be watching the games, too. while I'm sitting there hanging out by the pool. Uh, we are going to do a couple hikes up in Tahoe this week and stuff. And just kind of tool around, check out the, the foliage changing and whatnot. But but still, I'm going to be fully tied into baseball. So yeah, we'll be talking often. Now that I have the Apple watch too, I could be in the pool talking to you. I mean, this is like, this is, this is like, you know, crazy good technology. I'm, I'm into this now, man. I could, I could talk to you while I'm in the pool, having a beer yep. about baseball. Awesome. It doesn't get better. All right. So thanks to everybody for listening, whether it's through the podcast feed or now as these shows are on YouTube. Definitely send us some feedback. If you have any feedback, uh, Thompson to the number two Clark at gmail.com is our email address. You can, you know, obviously on YouTube, people can comment uh, in, in the actual YouTube feed for the videos. But yes, this is a lot of fun. So we'll let we'll let Brad go and hang out with the family and start his vacation. But uh, for Brad, I am Double G. We'll see you and we see you. Peace out. Peace.